It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. Good afternoon, 12.02 on a Friday. Not in about a week and a half, it's going to be February, January flying by, and the weather, I don't think it's going to be agreeable as well, as uh, at least in uh, our neck of the woods, as... Uh, Jack Michael show on a Friday. Brad Anderson here in uh, studio, and we will check in. Jack is on a bus somewhere between, uh, I think he's still in Missouri right now, but uh, he's, he's on his way to uh, Tulsa as uh, the Fighting Hawks ladies uh, tough loss last night in Kansas City. Uh, they will be in Oral Roberts tomorrow on ORU. ORU. Uh, we played well last night, and they uh, took care of NDSU, so that shakes things in the Summit League uh, women's standings on the men's side as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. A lot to uh, digest as uh, Travis Dutt will join us later in the uh, in the program to uh, talk some UND hockey and got a couple of teams. I know Brad Berry used the term desperate yesterday for probably for, well, his team and probably for Duluth as well. Two teams that desperately need some points in the NCHC standings and we'll talk about that and much more uh, coming up hockey-wise in uh, later on in the show. But uh, first off, hello, Jack. Well, good afternoon, Brad. And you're right. In a, in a few short hours, we'll be living on Tulsa time. That is, uh, that's exactly right. And there is a lot to digest today on the Jack Michael Show. And I'm having flashbacks to the summer when I'm normally doing the show on a bus during the Red Hawks baseball season. But uh, normally we fly for basketball. But today, uh, Kansas City to Tulsa is about four and change. So yes, coming to you live and direct from the UND Fighting Hawks bus, and uh, and and you nailed it uh, to digest. Obviously, we saw the cream of the crop. On the men's side in Fargo last night, the UND ladies missed an opportunity without question last night in KC. Uh, Vice and women got tears of moored in Tulsa, and UND men decided to drop 18 threes and and, then put one in the wind column. That's just the basketball side of things, Brad. Uh, Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I watched a fair amount of Oral Roberts and NDSU. One, it was good to see a a great crowd last night, about 3,200 uh, in the attendance at the uh, at the Shield Center, he had some atmosphere to it. And that first half was 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 wild. I mean, there was possessions back and forth, and neither team could get stops. And you know, Oral Roberts led by five at the half. The uh, Bison shot, I believe, it was around thirty percent in the uh, second half, and they went seven of twenty-three second half. Or you went an eleven nothing run, and you know, Max Aismas got his points. I mean, he ended up at 22, but uh, McBride 21, and uh, the big fellow Van over at 7-5. 15 points, knocked down a couple of threes. I know uh, uh, when visiting this week with Andrew Morgan, the uh, NDSU post, he said the Van over is going to come out and probably hang around the three-point arc, and he did, two of seven from beyond the arc. But uh, especially in the second half, um, I think the, the thing was frustrating and listening to some of Dave Richmond's postgame comments and even his halftime comments, too, is it says, they couldn't get stops, you know, and I think I, I think his team maybe got caught up in it a little bit. You know, they were going back and forth and offensively, and I think the term he used in the postgame is we played a little too much hero ball in the first half, and that uh, that did show at times. Yeah, that, those are good words, Brad. You know, that's let's first start about uh, getting stops, and, you know, when things are leaking and you can't get them, Boy, and you, and you end up chasing points. Well, some teams you might be able to, but boy, Oral Roberts. And it's funny, you talk about Vanover at 7 feet 5, 
you know, and I remember, you know, growing up, my good buddy Les Jepsen was like 6'11", 7 feet tall, but loved to shoot the three, you know, and he wasn't a back-to-the-basket guy. And uh, and I think of all these, the, the big guys out there, and, you know, 7'5 is still 7'5", but when you're chasing points against Oral Roberts and you're not getting stops, I mean, it just, you're one step forward, two steps back, and it seemed like without obviously seeing the game, I was, I was checking GameCast uh, from time to time, and, man, you, you start chasing points, and... That's just a good team. You know what gets overlooked, Brad, is is ORU's uh, defense ability to get stops, and that's why they're you know that's why they're tops in the summit uh, on the men's side. And you know they could put up ninety, but boy, I tell you, when you're holding uh, a team that that was playing some pretty efficient basketball that had strung five straight, that was getting production from as you talked about, we had Andrew Morgan on yesterday, and you know Bold was getting his, and Grant's going to get his. You know, when you're starting to keep those guys in check and reduce their scoring opportunities, boy, that's that's the real deal. So now, you know, now Paul Sather coming off a big high has got his work cut out for him coming up tomorrow afternoon against that club. Well, uh, speaking of that, Paul Sather's team, we talked about 18 three-pointers last night, and uh, some of those uh, some of those young guys, Trace and Eaglestaff, hit uh, five threes and hit uh, a big one late as they really – that was a tight game. That was a six, seven, eight-point game up until about the final three minutes or so, and UND had a sequence. They had a couple of threes, got some, uh, got a big rebound and a turnover. And um, just to see the production, uh, 19 for Eagle staff, Matt Norman 17, Zartzitze and B.J. Omont 16. So um, they're coming in. You're going to play one of the best in Oral Roberts, but they're coming in in a high, and it's it's certainly – uh, Paul Sather talked about that when we uh, were visiting with him on Wednesday about you know guys valuing possessions, especially late in games. And UND uh, UND did that last night and won the, and won down the stretch. It's amazing, isn't it, what balance can do? And and you look right at what you just said. I'll take a look at what Kansas City's women did yesterday. And it wasn't like one had thirty five and everybody else scored a little bit. It's same thing with what Sather's group had last night when it's nineteen, eighteen, seventeen you know, 15, whatever those numbers came up, Brad, and and the balance, and that, that hoop must have looked like the size of the Pacific Ocean after a while, and Eagle Staff dropping down five, 18 threes, so think about that, 18 threes, 54 points, 54 scored behind the arc, and I'll guarantee you, I bet you there was a hand up at the end and faces, and it probably didn't matter at that time, because once they started dropping, it just seemed like it was just flowing, so good, it, and obviously, a, a if not a must-win, just a, a well-deserved, thank goodness, uh, win against a pretty good club, and that's that's uh, that was good to see, and it, it's it's good for them. Now, of course, your your, your reward is to play the 800-pound gorilla uh, tomorrow afternoon. But you know what? That's in the Betty, and that place can get a little tough to play in as the visiting team. So who knows? Maybe they could shock the world coming up tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. 1 o'clock on that. That'll be over on KFGO. Your game with uh, Oral Roberts will be over here on, um, actually, it'll be over on 104.7, actually, tomorrow as well. The NFL playoffs here on uh, 740 The Fan, as coverage will begin around uh, 3 p.m. for those. And we can kind of hit on the NFL playoffs here uh, a little bit later on in the program. But, uh, well, the, I don't want to say the worst-kept secret, but... Uh, People were waiting for the moment for uh, that the Vikings were going to make a change defensively, and well, it finally came uh, came true. I'm shocked that gambling's going on in this establishment. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's well, just uh, here's the thing. I know you know. So they had their end of the year post mortem with Quazy and uh, and KOC, and that question was going to be brought up. And they, I mean, why not? 
Why did they wait till Thursday to make that? Why didn't they just Why didn't they just take care of it with that press conference Wednesday? Well, I, maybe they really did want to be cerebral and talk about it. I don't know what you think, Jack. I mean, maybe they did want to you know take a couple days before they gave it knee jerk reaction because I don't disagree with you. I think we saw the writing on the wall, but it may have taken that game for them to solidify. You know what I mean? Where if it had been the end of the regular season, you kind of knew what the end of it was. But how poorly they played in the postseason in that playoff game, I think, was the final nail in the coffin, and that may be why. I, I, I don't know for sure, but that would be my answer to your question. I don't. Yeah, I got a couple schools that thought that. It's like when we can't touch, you know, coaches after ten minutes. You know, they get the cooling off period after games for players. You know, you see this in the NCAA. I think a lot of decisions like this, and you're right. If the if the shoe was going to drop. It was at least loose after that game against the Giants, and we all kind of, as Derek said, we probably have an idea that that shoe was going to drop. And so I imagine that they they took a breath, got back to the offices, had some sit downs, did the thank you, and said, "All right, we're going to release this later in the week, and and make the news on that." Here's another thing, though. I was watching Boomer and Gigi. What's the name of that show? WFAN tomorrow. I was up at an ungodly early hour again today, and uh, the comments that Patrick Peterson made, and I forget what he was on. Um, and Peterson was uh, uh, talking about the third down or the fourth down pass by Kirk Cousins, and and he was like, I don't know what he was doing, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, man, fourth and three, did he have the wrong down? And Patrick was kind of, you know, getting out of the guys in New York were going, you know, of course they're Giants angles on this, they're going, what does he have to complain about? I mean, he was getting trucked the entire game against the Giants. What is Patrick doing talking about Kirk Cousins he should be and he should be gone and he should be gone and Donatello should be gone so it was actually a good radio from a, like a Giants perspective talking about the Vikings so I was listening to that so here, and I'll throw this in and I said this morning and you guys have probably already brought this up around the office and you know who I would immediately replace Ed Donatello with and he's a Minnesota guy and he's a friend and he's pretty good at what he does and wouldn't it be something if, if they could pluck Casey Bradley and get him to Minnesota as a DC and and work with Kevin O'Connell and combine that stuff and now again I don't know Derek and Brad if the personnel but you know Gus is a no-nonsense aggressive smart knows various defenses can mold teams together he's been a head coach he certainly knows various structures from the Tampa two on through not afraid to blitz not afraid to be aggressive man would I love to see Gus in that role if if that's something that would fit for for casing his family, it would be nice. He's still with the Colts, or is he? I would think he so. Been, I, he hasn't I, been let go, right? I mean, I don't believe so, and I guess yeah. you could check on that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still got some inches on a contract left with Indy. But again, I don't know. Maybe yeah, not. I, mean, I haven't checked that in a while. Yeah, so I, mean, I think he's still with them. So I, I, you know, teams are so weird about lateral moves sometimes, right? So they'd have to do something else with that. But you know, it's it's interesting. It's uh. They have a lot of things that they got to get done. That's for sure, and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's kind of a crazy time. I suppose the whole coaching staff might be turned upside down with the Colts, and that's to your thinking there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, and I, and I, yeah. yeah, because who knows who's going to replace? I don't think the Jeff Saturday experiment's sticking around, right? He so. did get an interview, surprisingly, but I don't know if he's going to get the job. I'll be yeah. shocked if he did. Uh, I think the one thing does. Does who you hire as the next defensive coordinator plus the, I mean, how much are those hand-in-hand hand with who you hire and who's staying and who's leaving as far as, because there, there's going to be some shake-up oh, defensively no because of the salary cap. And how will those two 
work hand in hand with one another. Well, I don't think you're moving Cousins. I mean, I know he's got a big cap hit, and he's no. owed like $35 million cash next year. So I, I think we could take that off the board, right, guys? I think Kirk's your guy, and you're going to have to eat that and from an economist standpoint, work around the other, you know, cap hits and, and how you're going to move. But, you know, the Vikings don't have a situation where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in a tough spot, Derek. And, and, I mean, they got to get intriguing through, a, you know, the draft isn't exactly going to provide immediate help with two picks in the first 100 picks of the NFL draft. Well, so, you hope that the two guys know. you select first last year can come back healthy and help. You know, well, that's yeah. right. That'd be, that, that, would, that would that would help be a big a part of it. <laughs> I mean, so there's that part of it. And if they can come back and, you know, seen and uh, what's his face, okay, I'm going blank, but Booth Jr. can yep. come back and help out right yep. away. That certainly would be a bonus. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. The first two guys you take to help out a suffering secondary can't play for you. I mean, that that's a killer because – I think you're kind of hoping that Cam Bynum and Seen might be the guys next year at safety if Harrison Smith is either cut, retired, or re, you know, even if he restructures, and he's probably going to have to, that is going to be a interesting thing that they have to make a decision on because there's no doubt that I think this year there's not going to be much uh, whoever the defensive coordinator is going to come in and says, i got to get my guys, and a lot mm-hmm. of the guys who are here are going to have to just walk, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and 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 we've asked this question throughout the year. Let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, we've asked: Is it the system or the personnel? You know, is it the system or the personnel? And whatever DC you bring in is probably going to you know bring in what they are good at. You know, but they're going to have to adjust to the personnel that the Minnesota Vikings have. So Brad's question actually is is really good. What's your personnel going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, because you've got to adapt to the personnel that you had. How many times are the Vikings going to enter a season? Where the team that they got to worry about in their division is Detroit, not Green Bay or anybody else, and maybe a sprinkle of Chicago. So I mean, you've got, but of course, to that point, you won your division this year and still kind of crapped out uh, against the Giants. So there, there, there's there's a lot of questions uh, heading in, certainly to the off season for Minnesota. A lot of movement. Yep, no question, uh, no question about it. And hopefully, I think yeah, I think you make a good point, Jack. The division. I mean, we don't know what the Packers are going to do. The Packers might look a little bit different. The Bears are still kind of in rebuild mode, and I'm curious to see what they do with that number one draft pick. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't trade it down and try and make some moves that way. Right. And the Lions, you know, the Lions are improved, but they're still the Lions. They're still the Lions. You never know that could implode uh, <laughs> real quick as well. Yeah. Um, one other note here: uh, John Stiglmeyer had been kind of rumored yeah. that he might, uh, he might go out on top and he did he's 65 years old announced his retirement yesterday uh they're keeping an in-house defensive coordinator jimmy rogers was announced uh, i believe the press conference was this morning down in brookings he will be the successor to us uh, to stiglmeyer and uh you know a good run for stig and he ends it on top and uh, you think about it they were a they were a middle of the they were middle of the run division two football program when they uh, when they made the jump with ndsu and to see what they have done and he's been a big part of that um, you know, that's, you know, he won a hundred impressive. Yep. 199. Win. I thought maybe he could get to one more win, get to 200 and then retire. But he's, yeah. But he's going to stay at 199. <laughs> yeah. That 199 was a pretty good one. So you yeah. might as well end it on that. Yeah. Say, that counts as two, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't been a head college coach, but boy, that, yeah, I don't think Stig's going to look back and go, man, I'll, he's like the Burke Blylevin of Hall of Fame. You know, I, I didn't quite get the whole numbers, but it's good enough to get in there. Yeah, 199. And you know what? You know what? It's a great example of. It's a great example of of, of building a program uh, 
rising that level of competition, getting the bodies, the players, because let's face it, last few years, you started looking at them coming off the bus, and they look different than they did in previous years. And, and you've got to get – the players are going to do it for you. And he was able to go out with that staff and recruit and bring in some bodies. And some of those kids are local. Let's not get ourselves. There is some local talent that was developed, and uh, they utilized it, and, and they won it all. You know, and why not go out? You know, and for Stig, it's been a long thing. I'm sure family time and take a deep breath. So good for him. You know, he leaves a champion and, and go get him. But that's a perfect example of rising up, building a program, uh, and doing it in a way where it doesn't happen overnight. But I'm sure it was very well worth it when they walked off that field in Frisco. The other. So, you know what, good for, good for Stick. Congratulations. Yep, and the key's over. And uh, Jeff Kolpak had this story this morning. Um, NDSU, NDSU losing another one. Kobe Johnson, who had uh, uh, one yep. more year of eligibility left, is uh, he's going to try and see if he can uh, latch on at a power five. But uh, another key loss for... NDSU and uh, from earlier in the week we saw Courtney Eubanks and Dom Jones and um, you know it's a point we brought up and I know NDSU you know next man up next man up but you're kind of running on next man up so I mean there, there might be some guys that uh, you know I look at tailbacks you look at Brega uh, Penu out of Cheyenne he might be one uh, TK Marshall's probably a guy that's going to get uh, he got some carries late in the year but uh, I think their progress might get uh, ramped up a little bit more once they get into spring and then fall camp. I gotta, I'm going to ask you guys a question, and I'm doing this, so I'm sure with it. Well, I've got a ton of student athletes. They probably got their earphones on, so they can't hear me, which is fine if they can. But what does the word commitment mean from a student athlete these days in college sports? Literally. You know, and I know that I get it. These guys are they're coming over, they're getting developed by the school that recruited them, and they get to a spot, and they see someone leave, and you go to a portal. It's their right to. I get it. I understand all that completely. But, man alive, it's, it's such a foreign thought from, you know, not too long ago where, you know, you're recruited, you bust your hump, you fight for time, you play, uh, you committed to it, you see it through, and then 20 years later you have a college reunion and you talk about the good old days back at, your, you know, your, your alma mater. It's, it's just it's such a different world right now. My gosh, how many is that for the, the school? And they're not the only ones, guys. No, not at you all. Know, it's not like one school's having everybody leave. I mean, it's, it's, this is across the country. So I, I sat this morning reading that story, uh, Brad, you referenced, and I thought, man alive, where's the commitment? How tough is it to be a collegiate coach right now? And I don't care. Pick your sport where you've got to recruit others. We've said this before. And you got to recruit your own darn team. Uh, while you're recruiting others, it, it is just a thankless job right now. Yeah, I mean, the argument goes back to the coaches jump around too, right? I mean, that does happen. I mean, you got the defensive coordinator going that's to Northwestern for good reason. I mean, that's just that's that's, they're going up the ladder, and I think that's what you look at here. But Jeff Kopak, when he was in, I think you were on the road and, and weren't here with us, Jack, or maybe it was during the holidays, but I think it was right before the FCS championship game, and he brought up, you know, 230 of these kids – and you knew this, you know, when you went to NDSU, Jack, a lot of guys, they may go get recruited, right. they get a scholarship, and they just quit, right? But this is their way of quitting. Yep. I mean, they're going and getting the transfer portal, and they won't get recruited, and this is the way they're being done. Because, what, every freshman class, oh, we got 25 new freshmen, mm-hmm. about 10 of them actually finish out their <laughs> right, career right. before this, before the transfer portal, right? <laughs> that's right. So that's kind of, that's I right. think, what we're seeing with a lot right. of these kids. Uh, Kobe probably wants to to go to a Power 5. Well, whether or not he'll get that opportunity, I don't know. Maybe he has something in the hopper already. But, it, you know, that there is a scenario where kids, 
are getting a shot. You know, and the graduate transfer thing, I never really had a problem with. I mean, the Jareel Cox, I didn't blame him one bit. No, I don't think anybody did. No. That was a great opportunity. Right. But uh, these situations are a little frustrating, I understand. But, but uh, I guess you know, that's kind of what happens when you have coaches jump around too, and I think they wanted to balance that out a little bit. But, boy, it does seem like a lot. It, it's 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 aggravating. I'm just way. curious, like you know, you're not hearing anything out of South Dakota State, or you know, maybe maybe it's happening in other places. I mean, obviously it's happening even at the FBS level, but uh, um, you know, it just seems like if it's just kind of the perfect storm for NDSU, I just I don't have all the answers for that. Yeah, Derek brings up a great point. It, there is a little bit of a two way street there, without question, and and at the at the upper at the various levels. You know, you got one coach that's secured for 7.5 with a $4 million buyout and up and jumps and gets a 10 million. Yeah, I get it. There is a, that's a good point, Derek. There, there is a little bit of a two-way street there, too. But I just come from uh, – and, and I'm with you on the graduate transfer. I agree totally with you guys. That's – you know, and there's several on, on programs. You finished out one, boom, you got one more, let's go. Um, but but I just uh, – I don't know. I Maybe I'm old school. I'm just – you know, wait for your chance to play, work hard to get that time, and go. But again, maybe back in the day, those opportunities, Derek, as you said, weren't as readily available, mm-hmm. uh, or at least known. Uh, so it's tough to say. I put put yourself back in that spot. Would you do the same? Eh, I don't know. But man, I don't even really have a problem like with a guy who's not getting playing time wanting to move, right? I mean, if if, if they're not going to, you know, that that's one thing. I think what we scratch our head about is. Hey, you're a starter. You're on the field 80% of the time. What are you doing? Do you really think the grass is going to be greener there? I think that's where you start scratching your head a little bit. Well, there's that. Yeah, but but you know what? You know, kids coming out of out of school and they're recruiting some some high level high school. You know, borderline FBS, FCS, whatever the program might be. But you know, to me again, you're committed to develop to be developed. And, and you're pouring in with the paid education to to play and, and in hopes of one day to make that. So there's something about the journey to me that is still something as opposed to the way and, and, and that. I don't as an 18, 19-year-old, and there's uh, there's something to that part too. But that that's just, uh, again, I don't think you're wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I agree. I do scratch my head at that where – but, okay, you're going to go try for a bigger pond, and you're going to roll those dice where if your end game is the National Football League, it's one thing if there's not, not been a president set coming out of a mid-major, uh, but that's not right because there has been president set. So why why do you need a different, bigger pond? Where And you mentioned Kobe Johnson. You know, there's a lot of running backs that have entered the transfer portal, Brad, and and Derek, yeah. so you know you're going to get the same opportunity. You're going to get well, maybe not the same, but you're going to get an opportunity, whether you're North Dakota State or South Dakota State or North Dakota, to be viewed on that scene, invited to, to show your wares. Probably, maybe the spotlight isn't as big as some of the the Power Fives, but again, you know, the president's been set. You can come out of Mankato, Minnesota, and make the NFL. You can come out of North Dakota State and make the NFL. You know. I don't know. I, I just it just there's just so much movement. My gosh. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And one thing we haven't talked about a lot because it was kind of, I think it was kind of announced like after right after the championship game. Now Hunter Lipke, I'm going to be interesting to see where he, you know, if he's the type of guy coming off injuries. He's going to the NFL draft, he says, and 
Yeah, it's you know one thing Trey Lance announced really, but for having a kind of a hybrid fullback H back type of guy, that's an interesting move by him. I was a little bit surprised by that, but I, I just I kind of wonder what the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays are going to say on that whole well, thing. Well, like, unless he's got somebody in his ear saying, you know, you could be a right. second round, third round. I mean, it's, you know, like Noah Gindorf as well is another one. That's uh, I know he's going to get uh, a chance at the combine, but he hasn't hasn't played in a long time, so yeah. he's been banged up. So, but got to give him. Uh, Going to get their opportunity, Jack. We'll uh, we'll let you go and uh, safe travels. Yes, down to uh, to Tulsa, and we will see you on Monday. Yes, thank you, and hopefully the ladies can rebound uh, coming up tomorrow. I know that uh, at the feeling wasn't good after the game last night, so they can get that done. And boys and women are going to jump into KC, see what they could. They run on the same buzz saw. UND men got that Oral Roberts team flying high, and NDSU looked to rebound in their game on Saturday. And next week, Derek and Brad, we'll talk about tampering. Anyway, the... Um... <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> All right, very good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll see you on Monday. Jack Michaels on the road as uh, the UND ladies headed to uh, Tulsa to take on Oral Roberts. Tyler Axon standing by at Outlet Recreation uh, in Detroit Lakes. That and much more. We'll visit and talk some UND hockey and all things hockey with Travis Dunn next here on the Jack Michaels Show on the Fan. <laughs> We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows. The whistle blows. Twelve thirty-one on the Jack Michael Show. Brad and Derek here in uh, in studio and uh, on the phone as uh, we were talking about <laughs> Travis Dunn. I think Travis Dunn is about ready to get into the broadcast, the hockey broadcasting portal, and see where it takes him. We'll see where his options you know, I- are. I have a couple of shows I interview between periods for hockey at UND. I do I do play uh, color. I've done play by play. You think there's an opportunity somewhere to make this into a career? I don't know. Think, <laughs> think TSN would take you? Can you play goalie for him? <laughs> oh well, you know I'm thinking about taking that up, and that would be probably my next career. But I'm not sure I have any eligibility. Well, that's just age, the problem. Oh, okay. You know, Age sixty something, I don't want to go there. No. Yeah, uh, you know, Tim Hennessy had Cam Johnson on on Wednesday night on a show over on uh, KFGO. That'd be a nice guy to have right now. What a difference that would make, right? If you had him. Is and Carl, Carl Gehring still have eligibility? Yeah, I mean, no, he's coaching, so that's uh, that's a problem. You know, it's, uh, it's the conversation that's been had behind closed doors in their dressing rooms and and everywhere else. And you know, I, all I know is this: is a couple of hockey coaches that tonight will be having their, uh, you know, the scowl faces that go behind the bench because they just don't know exactly what they're going to get. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's where this team would be, where UND would be today with a goalie that had a, even a 90% save percentage would be leaps and bounds ahead of obviously where they are today. You know, like last in the country in save percentage, UND has never been last in the country in anything, any category. Uh, and it's not one that they want to make sure that they continue to have. So, uh, at some point, who knows? It's uh, but as a player, when you don't trust your goaltending, you play a whole different game, and it uh, and it can say and it can defeat you before the game even starts if you let it. So, mm. uh, mental toughness, all those things come into play. It's like quarterback play, right? Kirk Cousins isn't much of a topic of conversation, and he is winning football games. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, well, and that's just kind of it, it's. It's whether, you know, I guess starting pitching, right? Something you always bring up oh, in absolutely, baseball. Absolutely. Goalie play in hockey and quarterback play in football. And I guess basketball, maybe the point guard. I guess that's kind of what you're looking at. Well, it? and I would maybe as a, a 1A in football, kicking. Yeah. Place so, kicking. There you go. So, so it's, 
It's well, a big part of it yep, for sure. Absolutely. And tomorrow morning I have the head coach of the Fargo Force on and the Fargo Force are the leading team at 45 points, right, Brad? For you know, yes. they're, they're their best to this point in the season in the USHL. And, gee, I wonder what the secret is. Both of their goaltenders lead the league in goals against average and save percentage. Hmm. Kind of a correlation there, yes. isn't it? Yes. Matei Marinoff and Anton Castro. And with uh, Marinoff was at uh, the World Junior, so Castro's had to shoulder a lot of the load here lately. Um, uh-huh. He's at 18 games. But, yeah, Marinoff is just under two goals against average, save percentage, 92.5, and, and Castro has been pretty solid as well. And uh, it's been fun because Castro started the, with the team last year and uh, kind of struggled early on. Well, here's a perfect example of goaltending. And Kerry Eads, the two guys he started with, Kerry Eads and Scott Langer when he was here last year as the head coach of the Force, you know, the two guys they started with both were gone, I think, before Christmas. They had to go, or I think one of them was gone before Christmas. They brought in Marinoff. Castro went back to the NAHL, and they had to... I think they ended up using four different goalies over the course of the year last year, and um, you know Marinoff obviously impressed enough that he uh, he stuck around, and he's been uh, he they both have been outstanding. But yeah, they, uh, that's just one example, and a very good one there as well. Right, and you know when you start looking at you know what this season is, what the focus is, we all understand that. But the conversations and the board and the wall with, with the recruits coming in next year, you know, a they're going to look in the UND will look in the portal. They're going to try to find somebody to come in the portal. They have to. Um, and at that point, uh, they'll also be looking for uh, Marinoff or whatever. You know, it's interesting. You know, Duluth uh, comes in this weekend, uh, just a mere opposite, or mere, not the mirror image, or the opposite of what UND is because they've got good goaltending. Uh, they, they just can't score goals. So now this weekend we have a complete guessing game. Which team is going to come out ahead? Watch it be 10-9 to tonight because we don't know <laughs> if Duluth can score goals. But uh, will UND's goaltending help them? But you know what? We point at our fingers at the goaltenders so often, and it really does come down to a team game. The game-winning goal last week with Western Michigan was three UND jerseys below the goal line, one Western Michigan guy in the slot. Where did the puck go, and where did it end up? In the net, because he had a slot shot, the grade-A opportunity we talk about, right, Brad? And uh you know what? They buried it, and that cost them the game after being up five to two in the third period. So, you know, again, what are we going to get tonight? Really, it's kind of a crapshoot. But the, the silver lining in all this is: should UND play well this weekend and manage to sweep, they go to Miami next weekend. Miami's in last place, so a sixth place team, a seventh place team, and an eighth place team are going to be playing against each other in the next two weeks. If UND was able to sweep Miami next week, say they get four games in a row. That's uh, 12 points in the standings. They could be one or two points out of fourth place, which is home ice advantage in the NCHC playoffs with obviously Denver and Colorado College and some tougher opponents coming up. But uh, it gives them a little bit of hope for home ice advantage because it appears the only way they'll get into the NCAA tournament will be to win the NCHC tournament. Brad Schlossman made a pretty good point uh, in the article this week in the Herald. Uh, but a couple of watershed moments, and the first one was the second game in St. Cloud. They had gotten thumped the night before. They had a 3 nothing lead midway through the game. It got away. Um, that could have been a moment where they could have, you know, they had to sink or swim. They bounced back and played, you know, they had, that's where they got the two wins at Western Michigan, and they had the Christmas break, mm-hmm. and they bounced back off of, off of that. Well, here's here's moment number two. After you kicked away a five-two lead last week, you know, same thing. Same thing could apply here uh, this weekend. 
Absolutely. And then you go back to the Gophers series when they were down against the Gophers and scored four goals in a matter of, what, two minutes. And, and so they have the scoring capabilities. You know, you look at statistics across the board, what, the top five in the country power play, uh, face-offs, top five. However, they couldn't win a face-off to save their life last Saturday evening in Western Michigan took complete advantage of that. So when they needed that the most, it failed for them. Uh, you know, power plays, uh, penalty kills way up there. Their specialty teams have been very good. And you guys all know that specialty teams, especially in the playoffs, um, you know, can, can lead to victory uh, if you're good at it. But, uh, of course, uh, as my good friend and our good friend Scott Taylor says, when it comes to playoffs, they should call it goalie. And right now, goalie is not the term that's very friendly to this University of North Dakota hockey team. Yeah, Dane Jackson, uh, we visited with him at the uh, fan luncheon the other day over at the Holiday Inn, and he mentioned that too. He says, really, the specialty teams on both sides, and I was asking him how much they practice that, and he says, yeah, I mean, they they probably hit it hard maybe once or twice a week kind of on the specialty teams, but that's something that they, you know, I'm sure every team does that too, or they, they that's something they just are fine-tuning uh, on a regular basis. Absolutely, and five-on-five five is where they're also a little weak on scoring goals, so especially their power play has been very, very good. They've been pretty good on the penalty kill. Actually, they've scored a couple shorthanded. Uh, they've been really good, but the five-on-five five is where the weakness has also been. Um, so, again, their five-on-five five play needs to improve a little bit as well as far as the offense is concerned. But, you know, this example of, you know, it's one nothing Western Michigan in the, in the, in the first period on, on Saturday night. I think Gavin Ain had a breakaway and, and didn't score on that particular breakaway. I mean, it might have been Sin and one of those guys. Anyway, didn't score. Boom, comes back the other way, scores. It's 2 nothing. So you go from basically a one-goal one, uh, one tie to you're down now two. So everything that seems to go in their favor with the breakaway turns around and ends up being a negative, and it goes into your net the other end of the rink, uh, completely deflating for a hockey team. And these guys have been up and down. I, I, I never experienced that in my career. Brad Berry has never had this, and his coaching staff has never been through the frustrations that they have gone through this year. Uh, I, I and never seeing a goaltender issue uh, at the University of North Dakota. You know, you go back over the years, you said Carl Gehring, uh, Ed Belfour, uh, down the list, John Casey, you go down the list of all the guys who have played here and been very good goaltenders and, and been solid back there making the saves they have to make and then making a few spectacular ones. Uh, this hockey team's an anomaly. And, uh, you know, DeRitter was supposed to be the guy. He had a, a career 92% save percentage somewhere in that ballpark at Michigan State of all places, which wasn't a great team in front of him. Uh, and he comes in here. So is it the, is it the pressure of the Ralph Engelstead Arena? I don't know. But I think what will probably happen is they're going to pick one guy to play, and they're going to stick with that guy the remainder of the year. I don't think it'll be Caleb Johnson, although he was left out to drive last weekend a number of times all by himself. He made a couple of spectacular saves. But, again, they're going to make a decision and stick with one guy and ride that horse, and hopefully he'll be the guy that turns things around. Maybe the confidence of, I'm not going to get pulled, I'm going to play every game, might help him uh, turn that corner and help this team turn the corner to the playoffs. Elsewhere in the NCHC, boy, it should be a heck of a series this weekend. Now Denver's up six on St. Cloud State, and the Pioneers travel to uh, St. Cloud to face the Huskies. Boy, I tell you what, they're really it's, Colorado College is also what, third place now as well, which we haven't seen Colorado College that high up in the standings for a long time. This is a completely flipped around uh, scenario for, well, I guess, Duluth and UND, as we talked about. But you're right, Denver goes into St. Cloud I bet you the tickets are a little hard to come by this weekend. As uh, so. those are two teams that uh, put the puck in a net, it could be really entertaining hockey. Uh, and, well, it will be entertaining hockey, but that's the NCHC. 
um, you know, high high caliber offense, usually a really good goaltending and uh, good play. So we should be <laughs> it'll be entertaining to watch those guys as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'll be sitting in the press box with Tim tonight. Um, I hope that uh, we have positive things to be able to talk about. It gets kind of hard doing the doing the color analysis when when your team isn't winning, but uh, hopefully. Uh, the guys will pull it together and, and have a good weekend. They're not blaming you, are they? I mean, they're not saying not the jinx. Yeah, I'd hope not. I mean, you were there for a lot of success, so I don't think that you could be right. I mean, you you, you well, are on one of the banners up there, so uh, don't don't plant that seed. Maybe yeah, no, no. Start thinking I am the guy that because I only do home games for color, so maybe that has been part of the. <laughs> Let emergency. me ask you. I that. don't know, but yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, 2016, seven years ago already, and you know, I mean, I mean, I don't know what. Uh, the coffee shop coaches are saying anything like that, but I mean, it's there's got to be a little heat because you can get all the guys you want in there and you get a little turnover, but you can't recruit the right goalie. It's there. I mean, I'm, I just have a hard time believing that's not how the University of North Dakota operates. I mean, you really have to bottom out, I think. And before, I mean, it, it took a long time, you know, before Gino retired, right, where things were just kind of going the wrong direction in the '90s, right? And I think yeah. it's just this isn't a firing type of outfit. So, I, I, what's your take? I, I absolutely agree with you in this case. You know, again, look at the look at the example of the of University of Minnesota Duluth. You know, national championship team. Um, you know, number of years they've been in the tournaments and so on, and they're only one point ahead of UND. Uh, they can score goals, but you know, the transfer portal has changed things quite dramatically. Uh, teams can go from you know from uh, bad to good in a very short period of time. And you look at teams like Arizona State that beat UND in Vegas. They you know basically four or five guys that came in through the transfer portal. They're their offensive guys that are scoring all the goals so and getting most of the points. So you look through old college hockey, that's exactly the same example. They get those guys to the transfer portal. The only team that hasn't is Colorado College, and they're the ones trying to build with soft, freshmen and sophomores for, you know, in, in, in trying to build what they call the hockey culture within Colorado College, and it's worked quite nicely this year. You know, it's an anomaly. You know, I, but again, it's like Alabama. You lose one or two football games. Oh, my gosh, the, the sky is falling. <laughs> right. Um, well, there, there's happened. a school it's, where in the city we reside, there a lot of that happens, too, by the way. Just... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, absolutely. You lose the national championship and people think the sky is falling, yet you yeah. got to the national championship. So, you know, right now, the, the you know, they, they set the bar high. And when you set the bar high and you achieve greatness, you know, very good results year in and year out. When you have a bad year, yes, there's going to be questions. Uh, all of a sudden, they went from great coaches to not great coaches. No, that's not the example, not not the way it works. But sometimes, again, things don't work out. In this case, the goaltending has just been not very good. And when you're looking at, what, 8.87 save percentage, uh, and yet everything else statistically across your team is very, very good. And Brad Schlossman had the example. And I can't remember the statistic they, they threw out there, but maybe 19-4. and four. In, in some scenario if their goaltending was just a little bit better. So 19-4 and four is a whole lot better than what they are now, what, 6-10 and 10 or 6, uh, whatever whatever the heck they are at this point. But, um, you know, that's what it comes down to. Sometimes yeah, things just don't work out, and this might be just one of those years. Well, uh, we'll look forward to hearing you and Tim on the call tonight. Uh, around the rink, 9 a.m. tomorrow, right in this very studio. Uh, what will we have coming up tomorrow? Well, we'll have the coach of the Fargo Forest. We'll have Dean Wilson, the former Fargo South coach. Uh, Fargo South Shanley is having a really good year. They had a great week. They beat Red River and Central in the same week. That's been pretty spectacular. So we'll talk about the landscape of high school hockey in the EDC. 
And then uh, Scott Taylor will be joining me for a long conversation about, well, one of them is going to be about gambling. You know, now that uh, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky are speaking out about online, ga- or not speaking out, are spokespeople for online gambling um, uh, for sports events in Canada. Uh, that's a conversation that needs to be had because it's uh, popping up everywhere now. And uh, Scott knows a lot about that subject, and we'll have a visit with him about that. All right. Very good, sir. I well, appreciate your time, and uh, and uh, enjoy the weekend. And we'll, uh, we'll see. Things got to turn around here at some point. Fingers are crossed. All that's right. That's all we can all do right. at this point. Very all good, right, man. my friends. Have a great week. Yep, we'll see you. Take care. Bye. Yep. Travis Dunn. You hear him uh, Saturday mornings around the rink. You also hear him with Tim Hennessy with the home broadcast. You'll hear him this weekend over on 790. KFGO. We'll uh, visit with Tyler Axis. We'll hear from Tyler coming up here momentarily. He's broadcasting live at Outlet, Re- uh, Outlet Recreation in Detroit Lakes. We'll wrap up the Jack Michaels show in just a few moments here on The Fan. Final few minutes of the Jack Michaels show at 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. The uh, Schedule for tonight at our uh, stations here on the fan, our high school boys basketball game with Richland and uh, unbeaten Sargent County. Uh, game time has been moved up. Uh, Richland's got uh, some illness and uh, and uh, some injuries, so they're not having the uh, prelim game, the B-Squad game, so it's just going to be varsity only. So the game time moved up to 6 o'clock tonight. That'll be right here on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM over on 101.9 Jack FM. Fargo Force hosting Sioux Falls this weekend. Pat Blunden will have it uh, for you pregame 6.50, 7.05 on the faceoff there, and then an hour earlier tomorrow uh, over on Jack FM. UND Hockey tonight over on KFGO at uh, 6.30 in the pregame with Tim and Travis and uh, 7.07 on the uh, on the faceoff where, uh, for that. We'll have the NFL playoffs here tomorrow on the uh, on the fan. as uh... All right, it's prediction time. Yes. What do you think? Okay, we'll start with the Saturday games first as the uh... – Probably the one game that I think people, there isn't a lot of, maybe not a lot of discussion about, and maybe people aren't looking at upsets, and I can't see the Chiefs, can't see the Chiefs uh, losing to the Jaguars. It would be a shocker of all shockers, right? When I think of shocking NFL playoff losses, and I'm not going to include my purple team in this, Mm -hmm. um, but I could, um, I'd say the Giants beating the 2011 Packers after the Packers went 15-1 and and looked unstoppable. That would be up there. Uh, Jacksonville defeating Denver at home. Well, that's going back. Their in the, second in the year. 90s, yep. Uh, in, in the league. Um, but uh, this would be up there. I mean, I'd have to think of that. Maybe the, when the, what was it, the seven, let's see, what was it? The, uh, no, it was the, it was 16 teams. What was the, uh, 16 games, 8-8, eight and eight, or was it 7-9 and nine, Seattle Seahawks, the West Division champions, yes, defeating beat, the, Saints. the Saints? That was probably up there. But out, you know, but they were at home, so that was uh, you know tough because they were a division winner. But looking at one of the... Uh, I think that would be this would be a huge shot. I was looking at one of the... I went to the, the Yahoo Sportsbook. The Chiefs by 9, I would have thought, boy, 10, yeah. 11. I thought that would go into double figures. NFL doesn't get in double figures as much as college, though. I mean, it's r- yeah. pretty few and far between, but that is, that's, that's really something. It is. Eagles seven and a half point favorite uh, over under forty eight against the Giants. Can the Giants make this interesting? I uh, I think they can. I don't know if they win, however. Well, wouldn't this be the equivalent though of the Vikings going in because the Giants lost both games in the regular season? I do yes. believe, right? And this would be the equivalent of the Randy Moss Mooning game if this was, were to happen. I and, guess, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it does. 
just because you know the Giants can kind of match you toe for toe defensively a little bit, and you got a couple of guys who like to run to the sticks as the quarterback. I, I mean, I, I really think the Eagles are going to win. I think the week off probably really helped them to get healthy, especially for Jalen Hurts and playing in that stadium on a Saturday night. My heavens! I, oh I would, boy! I would not. Uh, I would not go in there wearing anything blue or no, red that's at an all. Extremely that, violent crowd. <laughs> no, no, I, I would not want to be a player's wife in that atmosphere. <laughs> I would say, "Honey, I'm watching it from home." Or, uh, "Sorry, I have to wear green at this game because I do not want to be killed." Sunday games. Uh, boy, I, the Bengals Bills is intriguing. That's the one. I, um, I just, I just got a feeling about the Bengals, and I, you know, I think they're playing well. I know there's kind of some questions on the line. Although Volson has been pretty steady for him, but I, if there's one road team that wins, I think it's the Bengals. Yeah, I don't think it's inconceivable for the Cowboys to shock the world, though, either. Just because they're Jekyll and Hyde, and whatever they're going to bring you uh, coming up, you know, Parsons can if they can get into the young quarterback's face a little bit just to mm-hmm. disrupt things because that is a very good defense when they're playing well. So. I, mean, I, I would not rule out the uh, boys with the stars in their hat if no, that happens. It, well, I think the point spreads, I see Niners by four, and that's you know three for home field right. advantage. So I think I think there's a lot of uh, betters probably feeling that way as well. So, and what, uh, you know, good back, uh, we said, the good Dak oh, or bad da- Dak. Ab- in, in, yeah, I mean, Dak's just, that's such a wild card. Mm-hmm. So No, and a rookie quarterback versus an inconsistent quarterback. You know, how, how do you go there? <laughs> I mean, really, it's an interesting story. Really I mean, that's... I mean, think how much people really think the 49ers go to the Super Bowl with a, a rookie quarterback that was drafted late in the seventh round. I mean, the last pick. It's just, it's kind of crazy that that's the case. So that should be a fun weekend. You know, too bad we don't have more time. I want to kind of get into the whole you're picking the right goal and riding that hot end. It just thought me, brought me the wild last year. You know, I just right. don't, I don't know if they picked the right guy. And yeah, and I don't know if they. The play- you, you kind of wonder if he even kept the right guy. Although I will right. say, Gustafson has been all right. He's been really good. He's been all right. Like almost. Hmm. Should we make this move? Type. Well, of game. there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of season left, and I. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to to be very steady. That. Uh, yeah. That Dean Evison might go that route, but I don't know. They, they. They like the veteran presence in Flurry, but you know, I think playoffs are a different animal. That's and, for sure. Uh, I say it'll definitely go hot hand. That's you got it. That's, that's the case. So. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. We'll hear one more time from Tyler Axness at Outlet Recreation here uh, momentarily. Have a great weekend here on The Fan. Common is next.